Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the Empowering Family Caregiver Show on Blog Talk Radio. I'm Susan Bida, the co-founder of eCareDiary.com and your host for today's show. I am very pleased and honored to uh, bring to you as our guest today, Dr. Richard Taylor, who will uh, discuss his book, called Alzheimer's from the Inside Out and what it is like to live with Alzheimer's. Uh, Dr. Richard Taylor is uh, a nationally recognized uh, speaker on the topic of dementia um, and he has a PhD and is a psychologist and author of the book Alzheimer's from the Inside Out. He has lived with a diagnosis of dementia, probably of the Alzheimer's type, for nearly a decade, and today he will speak to us, and he also writes of his experience living with the disease and promotes an approach called humanizing dementia care. Uh, Dr. Taylor, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, well, it's my honor to speak with you. So, uh, Dr. Taylor, um, we, we've been uh, really looking forward to uh, today and speaking with you about Alzheimer's disease. And let's just start out by asking you, in your, in your studies and in your understanding, is there really such a thing as Alzheimer's disease? Well, there are certainly lots of people, millions of them in the United States, who as they grow older begin to have memory problems and become more confused in their daily living. And it certainly is progressive as people become older and older. The the issue, at least for me, is do we call this a disease? Because once we call it a disease, then it becomes uh, medicalized. And we turn to doctors to cure it, or we turn to researchers to cure it. And there's some question as to if it is really a a disease in the sense that one second you didn't have it and then the next second you did have it and all we have to do is find out what happened between those two seconds, give you some pills, and you'll be cured of it. Uh, Right now there's tremendous time and energy placed into raising money to find a cure And I would argue that, unfortunately, um, since there's a finite amount of money available uh, to deal with any disease these days, uh, it has taken away from research, psychosocial research, to help find ways for people to live well with these conditions. Uh, Dementia is like an umbrella, uh, and under it are a variety of different dementing illnesses in which you have cognitive problems. You can have Lewy bodies in your blood. Uh, You can have frontal lobe dementia. You can have vascular dementia. And you can have Alzheimer's disease. And while Alzheimer's disease is looked on as a single uh, disease, actually some people, many people, only live three, four years after they've been diagnosed with it. And some people myself luckily included in that, uh, live between 10 and 20 years with it. So the question is, is it really one thing? 
And if it's mm-hmm. not one thing, then it's very more difficult to put us in boxes and say what stage we're in and to predict our behavior. And it's also very difficult then for stigmas to attach themselves to us. Alzheimer's, people living with Alzheimer's are seen as having uh, a mental disability when actually mm-hmm. it's not a mental illness in the, in the sense that we have other mental illnesses like we're depressed or uh, we're schizophrenic. Uh, right. It's a cognitive disease. And it's less a disease I see it as and more of a disorder. It's a disability. I have a cognitive disability. Well, mm-hmm. you know, if I would look at it that way instead of calling it a disease, um, well, this, people I wouldn't assume. Say... Go ahead. No, go, go ahead. People wouldn't assume immediately that I'm fading away, that I know less today, I am less competent as a human being, I have fewer needs as a human being today than I had yesterday. Yet that is how people see us. Uh, I, I know. I have to from, say, I, I will, I will, I will, I will interrupt if you don't mind. Um, and no, say go that ahead. This is pretty. Um, this is, uh, I have to say, so enlightening to me, and I imagine to so many others listening to your uh, to our program today, because I think that what you say makes uh, a lot of sense. And that, oh, thank you. that um, it is true. I think there is this, this um, w- what happens is if you are diagnosed with a disease, people imagine that you are less of what you were the day before. And, and by, uh, I guess, calling it something other than a disease, then it's um, something that you're living with rather than something you're afflicted with. Yes, it's it's and, more of a, uh, a disability. It's, it's like, yeah. you know, you had lost a leg. And, of right. course, it, it, that's obvious to everybody, as are the symptoms of dementia. But uh, being in a wheelchair doesn't automatically make people feel uh, that you're fading away, that you're dying. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think one of the issues with many caregivers of people with dementia and even professionals is they see us as poor souls. They even call us sufferers Uh, Mm -hmm. when actually there's no pain involved with this. There's some psychological issues with it, but not pain. But referring to us as sufferers uh, encourages people to feel bad about us. I mean, why, why... you know, in one survey that I think it was MetLife did of caregivers, they would uh, they would rather have the disease than they would be caregivers. They found it so profound for them. Well, you have mm-hmm. to ask yourself, why do they feel that way? What is it that they're thinking that creates the kind of feeling of despair and sense of overwhelmness? There's a book called The 36-Hour Day uh, that's very popular with caregivers uh, when, mm-hmm. in fact, everybody only has 24 hours a day. Mm-hmm. It's not when you get Alzheimer's, you get another 12 hours of responsibility or duties right. or need another 12 hours. But it all adds to a sense of being overwhelmed. 
And right. when you when you think of the idea that your partner, the person you lay in bed with every night, the person you've loved for however many years, is actually fading away right before you. They're they're as a human being, they're losing their humanity. They're going to reach a point where they don't have a soul. Uh, fundraising uh, commercials on TV now remind people everybody's going to die who has Alzheimer's. Well, the mm-hmm. fact is everybody's going to die who doesn't have Alzheimer's too. <laughs> That's so true. Right. <laughs> and you're not one day closer to dying when the doctor says you have Alzheimer's than you were the day before. You're still going to mm-hmm. die when you're going to die. Right. Uh, but it is that that idea that gets into people's psyches, that gets into caregivers and just eats them away, that now my husband is dying, whereas yesterday I didn't think he was dying. But actually, each day from the day we're born, we're one step closer to dying. But we don't live our lives that way. But we start to so live what? our lives that way when we're diagnosed. Right. So what what do you think we need to do? I mean, so we have this is a, a program and, and a website dedicated to family caregivers. And so family caregivers who are currently feeling this this emotional stress uh from uh, a spouse or or a family member who has been diagnosed with dementia, what what do you suggest for them? Well, they have to see they have to reframe who their caregiver is. I mean, mm-hmm. who their the the person they're caregiving, they're caring for is. They've already done that automatically, uh, unbeknownst to them, when uh, they heard the words "you have dementia," probably the Alzheimer's type. They hear it on TV. They see commercials of people who are in their 80s when their husband is in his 50s or 40s or 60s. Uh, And so all these things are working on people and their perception of who the person they still love is. Uh, Mm -hmm. And that just works to the detriment of both of them. Uh, friends don't come over when you're diagnosed with Alzheimer's. They stop coming because they don't know what to say. They're afraid they're going to embarrass you, ask you Mm -hmm. something you don't know, as if we didn't know we were forgetful or confused. Uh, We have to start rehumanizing people. Uh, uh, What happens is we're we're, uh, disabled by others rather than reabled by others. You know, if people who lost a leg were told, well, you got to figure out a way of getting from here to the bathroom yourself, that's not the way it works. We say, we're going to go buy the best wheelchair for you we can find. We're going to get you an electric one. We're going to build a ramp to the wheelchair, to the bathroom. We're going to redo our house. We're going to put new curbs in. Well, there are no ramps for people with dementia. Cities are not dementia-friendly. Homes are not dementia-friendly. And caregivers are friendly but not dementia-friendly in that they don't (laughs) enable people. They disable people. Uh, They watch us every morning. I I, I want to thank you very much for 
enlightening us on this subject matter. I think it's so important that um, you are on the show today to help uh, family caregivers who don't understand um, uh, dementia in, in the way that you're explaining it today. And I'm, I'm so um, grateful that you're on the program to really spell this out and to talk about it from the perspective of someone who uh, is living with a diagnosis of dementia. Um, I just, for the audience's sake, I want to share with them your website, uh, which is www.richardtaylorphd.com. And uh, I, I have to say that um, I find this conversation we're having very revolutionary for me because I never really uh, saw it that way. And uh, I've had family members who have been diagnosed with dementia. And, and yes, I, uh, there is this changed perception of who they are as people and not this way of looking at it as, okay, well, how do we help them live better? Uh, as, as you describe a person who has lost a leg we would certainly try to find ways in, in which for them to live better, but we don't necessarily do that when a family member is diagnosed with dementia. So um, let, I would love to turn this conversation, Dr. Taylor, to how do we help uh, those diagnosed with dementia to live better? What, what are some of the ways in which we can do that? Well, what happens to us is... Uh once we stop driving and once we've lost our jobs, uh, we lose our sense of purpose. Uh, I ask people when I go speak and visit in <coughs> Alzheimer's community, why did you wake up this morning? Why did you open your eyes up today? And um, most people don't have an answer to that. They don't know why other than they'd come and get them if they didn't because it's breakfast time. Uh, and when people don't have a sense of purpose, it's a very psychologically debilitating thing that happens to them. They watch more TV, they sleep more, uh, and they start to lose interest. And in a sense, they debilitate themselves because they have nothing to do, nothing to entertain their minds. And so I think they're um, uh, vulnerable to all the stigmas that are floating around there about what's ha actually happening to them. So we need to find something to do every day that we love to do. And we may not be able to do it the way we used to do it. We'll need some help. We need to be enabled. Or it may be in a different form. But we need activity and not dumbed-down activity. Uh, for many people, bingo is the, the activity of choice for people with dementia. Mm -hmm. And the irony of that is uh, one of the first difficulties many people have with dementia is in understanding numbers. So we play a game that involves numbers. Um, I think a lot of people with dementia just kind of play along with people and pretend like they know what's going on, which just convinces them that there's something really bad wrong with them, just to get along with people. They sense that mm -hmm. you, they want you to be who they were, when in fact that is not who they are. And <clears throat> in an effort to affirm for yourself as a caregiver that my loved one is okay, 
we spend a lot of time reminiscing with them. We talk about the past all the time. We play games, we show photographs, we make paintings and drawings about the past. When actually the, the most difficult item for us in living day to day is the present. We have trouble understanding and distinguishing between the past and the present because it's the way our brain is is processing information. It gets confused. It doesn't have a hard line between yes, what happened yesterday and what happened today, what's going to happen tomorrow. So it picks a little of all three of them when it gets input that taste or smell or look or feel like past things or things we anticipate in the future. Right. So we have to focus on more of what we're doing today. What are we do how are we being engaged today? And when you overlay on that the fear that we have that there's something wrong with us and we don't necessarily want to go out in the public like we used to do. We don't want to try new things. We're told by professionals, well, don't complicate his life. Make it as simple as possible. Get a lot of routine in it. Well, Mm -hmm. we end up very quickly with a life that has no variety, no challenges in it. Uh, no today in it. It's mostly spatterings of yesterday and a lot of TV. And we become comfortable with that because that's the least challenging for us to engage in. But it's the worst thing for us to do. And people who don't want to do the worst thing, want to do the best thing, try harder at doing the worst things rather than trying things new and trying to encourage us and support us doing things new. Mm-hmm. You know, if we couldn't go out and garden like we used to and we liked to garden, then for heaven's sake, buy us a couple of little plants that come in eggshells or let's start a little garden on the, on the uh, oh, what do you call those things, on a window ledge inside our house. Let's try That's to right. be creative in, in doing the things that we did before, but doing them at a level and in a way that allows our cognitive abilities to work for us rather than Mm -hmm. point out to us that we can't dig a straight line with a shovel in the dirt or we can't get the seeds in a row like we used to or we can't distinguish between a weed and a a plant. Help Mm -hmm. us have that sense of, yes, I'm growing something. This is mine. I mean, for people who that is an interest. Right. Um, where people are amazed that we can read. Uh-huh. People are amazed that we like music. A uh, music mm-hmm. therapist comes into an Alzheimer's unit and drums or sings or plays, and people who haven't spoke for a long time stand up and speak out and sing out and dance out. And everybody's so pleased and amazed watching it, the staff and the family members. But as soon as the hour is over, the professionals go home, and we go back to our room and wait for lunch. It's, mm-hmm. it's even when they see that we have these cap- capacities, uh, it's so painful for people to see that we have them and we're not doing them all the time. It's not challenging to them to help us do them more. It's not challenging enough for them to help invent games at the dinner table where we sing and then eat a bite or where we knock with the spoon on our plate in a pot and then eat a bite. Mm 
it's not challenging to them because it's painful. It shows to them that we're not who we were. And I think they they feel that they see enough of that. They don't want to see anything more, even when it's a positive sort of thing for us. Right, right. So wow. what they can um, what they yeah. can do is you know be more creative rather than be more uh, disabling with us. We uh, we get in an accident or we get lost, and the first thing people do is take our keys away from us from our car. Right. Or they they tell us a lie. You know the the car had to be fixed and we sent it to New Zealand and we're not going to have it back for a year, so you can't drive for a year. But what they don't realize is how debilitating it is to lose the right <clears throat> and the ability to go somewhere whenever you want to, even though you didn't do it very often. It's a human mm-hmm. need to feel in control of yourself like that. So why, before they take the keys away, don't they say to us, well, you know, there's going to come a time when it's probably going to be unsafe for you to drive. And before that time comes, what can we do to make sure that you can still go where you want to go and do the things that you want to do? Why don't we talk to some of our friends and see if maybe once a week one of them will give you an hour of his time, and if you want to go somewhere, you can just pick up the phone and he'll take you. Why don't we plan on Saturdays to spend an hour together going grocery shopping or two hours together, and we'll just make that a permanent date. And let's do that before we take the keys away. So when <clears throat> we reach the point where you can't drive, it won't be so traumatic to you. Well, That's the kind idea. of proactiveness I wish people would be. Uh, Dr. Taylor, uh, so... Uh, this is so educational for us listening and for me uh, speaking with you. Um, is there? Uh, have you written uh, about this in your book? And do you offer these type of sug- suggestions in your book, Alzheimer's from the Inside Out? I actually didn't write a book. Uh, when I was first diagnosed, I naively felt that someday I was going to wake up and a curtain had dropped between me and the rest of the world because that's how many people Mm -hmm. see it in Alzheimer's. And I wouldn't know the rest of the world, and the rest of the world wouldn't know me. Uh, So I started to write every night just a little note to myself about how things had gone and how I felt and what was going on with me. Mm -hmm. Uh, And to make that long story short, uh, eventually that turned into a book. Somebody sent actually sent my manuscript to a, a publisher, and mm-hmm. they decided to publish a book. So uh, the, the book itself, and to my amazement, all these things that I've now discovered and can talk about intelligently uh, mm-hmm. were happening to me. I just didn't realize it. But they're in the book. It's it's clear wow. in the book what's happening to me. Uh, and now I'm I'm more articulate in being able to write about these. And so mm-hmm. um, uh, my website is just full of my writings. I speak a lot. I do a lot of public speaking. I go around and speak to oh, community groups, uh, support groups, Alzheimer's groups, uh, assisted living communities, 
city councils. I, I've been all over the place. In fact, I've been fortunate to be all over the world speaking. Um, That's fantastic. I wish we could have you here in Pittsburgh. That's uh, that's where we're based, <laughs> and uh, we have a huge uh, senior uh, population and population of those caring for those seniors. So um, we would love to have you in Pittsburgh. Be very happy to help you figure help figure out a way to to have you come here because I think what you have said today is. Uh, is makes so much sense, and I think um, you are absolutely correct that we need to find ways to humanize dementia care and and stop. I think what many of us uh, are doing, who are caring for uh, those diagnosed with dementia, which is I think making the situation probably worse, if not better. Um, yes, and I we're think stigmatizing all that, yeah. people. Yes. And I think these suggestions that you have about having these conversations with our parents who have been diagnosed, um, I, I wish that we had handled, uh, you know, the situation better with my grandfather and my aunt and um, all the people that I know in my family that, uh, well, I mean, we absolutely handled it the wrong way based on what you're telling me. And, and um, But I feel very privileged privilege because I think, um, you know, I think my parents are probably down that road as well, and, and uh, I feel just having had this conversation with you better equipped to know how to properly, uh, you know, address uh, all these decision-making abilities that my parents once had that they probably won't have. Uh, I mean, you know, I, I think to humanize it and, and give them a, a you know more of a, a role and be proactive about handling things um, in a in a better way would would certainly help me. So thank you so much for uh, being on our show today and, and sharing from your perspective. Um, I just thought this show was incredibly uh, enlightening and uh, and revolutionary for me and and I'm sure for many who are listening. So thank you so much for coming today. Um, for the audience, uh, Dr. Richard Taylor's writings can be found on his website at www.richardtaylorphd.com. Uh, Dr. Taylor, we'd love to have you back. I hope uh, we can I'd be have pleased you back to come back sometime. Thank you so much. I want thank to you thank you for our inviting audience. me. Absolutely, and. Uh, Thank our audience for, uh, I'd like to thank our audience for tuning in and invite you all to join me next day, June 17th at 2 p.m. Eastern Time for our next Empowering Family Caregiver Show. Uh, we will be speaking to Gary Glazner, who is the founder and executive director of the Alzheimer's Poetry Project uh, about dementia arts and celebrating creativity in elder care. Uh, Dr. Taylor, I, I would imagine you would probably support something of this nature. He's a that personal friend of mine. Oh, that's wonderful. I'm so happy to hear that. He's a so, delightful yes. soul, yes. Great. So we will have Gary Glazner uh, on our show next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Thank you, you. And, and uh, yes, thank you, and, and we uh, look forward to you all tuning in next week. Take care and goodbye. You too. Bye.